We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing our Derek C. Paul, the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. And we're here to talk about the Los Angeles Rams visit to Arizona this weekend. And joining us today is USA Today's Cards Wires, Jess Root. He's going to fill us in on what's going on with the Cardinals. Jess, I'll start with you first. Welcome back to the show. How's your podcast going? Podcast is doing good. I know you guys are going to give me some, give me a hard time for not having you guys on. Um, we just don't have other guests on at all. We our show is a reactionary show to what we saw as opposed to a preview show, but. 
I used to do, I used to do preview shows. They were they were fantastic, but two shows a week was too much for me. I, I just want to give you a little crap about it. We, we've had you on <laughs> so many times now. We like having you on. You always bring good stuff to us. But come on, man, you make me sad that you never invite us on. At least like during the off season when we're talking draft or something. Say, hey guys, come on over. Let's have a conference. I, I mean, that's, make that's us feel a little special. Okay, we'll 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 on that for the off season. Norm's like, man, you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> so, speaking of Norm, buddy, how you doing, man? We haven't talked much since the Philly game. Uh, you calming down yet? That silence is scary. Very calm. Very calm. I said, not really. Oh, been, okay. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been watching a lot of film, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty scared. Not happy right now. So, in case you guys couldn't tell, uh, for the Philly game, Norm texted me about third quarter and says I'm going to bed, and uh, he went into exile for a couple of days and hoping he calms down a little bit, but it doesn't sound like it. So, before we actually talk about first the Cardinals game, then we'll let Norm vent. We promised you guys a a classic Norm Hightower event. We do want to go ahead and give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. So, especially come the Christmas season, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood's Teen Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, Oh, and don't forget future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and in various other places as well. Folks, I've read it from cover to cover. So is Norm. It's worth every penny. It's actually relatively affordable. Check it out. Again, it's one more time. Hollywood's team, Grit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Okay. We ready for the punishment here? We ready to go? Yes, sir. Okay. Jess, when we talked earlier in the year and during the tour in the league, you really seem to think the Cardinals would be better than they are. I'm not saying, like, great or anything, but you thought they'd be better than this. What's gone wrong? Well, you name it, it's, it's gone wrong. Pretty much everything from the beginning um, has failed. Uh, it started. It starts with the free agency. Pretty much, the, their off-season moves outside of the draft, nothing panned out. Sam Bradford suddenly was terrible. So the the idea behind how they constructed this team was to take a defensive coach with some talent, and they're obviously they're going to have to they're going to have to adjust defensively to to the new system. But they would have a steady veteran quarterback who's Production has really have never been questioned. He's never been bad. Sam Bradford. And he was bad. It, it, he wasn't accurate. He looked tentative. He looked, he looked like he was, I don't know if it was a lack of work, but he was, maybe the, the, it, they got in his head, we've got to keep you healthy, we've got to keep you healthy, we've got to keep you healthy, that he just didn't trust the offensive line. He didn't trust that he was getting the time. And he was just, he was bad. And he got benched. Um, Andre Smith, who they signed at right tackle, he was terrible. Justin Pugh was not good and then got hurt. Uh, Jamar Taylor, who they traded for at cornerback, too. He only lasted a couple of games, and he got cut later on. So basically, 
Everything that they tried to do this offensive, this offseason failed. The quarterback situation, bad. Um, the defense was supposed to be kind of the backbone of this team. They were supposed to be able to run the ball, and they are supposed to stop the run. They can't do either. The defense got shredded. I mean, that's, truth is, the, the best game that they've had all year was against the Rams in, in a shutout loss. Um, but they, they can't stop the run consistently. David John, like the, the Mike McCoy's offense was terrible. And since Byron Leftwich took over, it's only been, you know, there were a couple of games there. They're better than terrible, but it's back to being terrible. Everything, they've had injuries. In fact, the entire projected starting offensive line is not, uh, is not on the active roster. They cut Andre Smith, four other guys on, on injured reserve. They're starting three rookies on the offensive line. They're starting now five rookies on offense. And they, they haven't gotten the production that they thought they would. They've been good against the pass, but against the run, it's kind of set everything up. So the, the kind of the tenets they were going to build it, they're going to run the ball with David Johnson, they're going to stop the run, and they're going to keep games close. None of that has worked. And then they had early games against the Bears, against the Seahawks. Uh, they had some shortcomings where they were they should have won those games, but didn't because of mistakes they made down the stretch. And what you get is a recipe for disaster. Three and three and eleven, staring, staring. They're looking right in the face of three and thirteen and the number one pick in the draft. Are there any positives you can take from the season other than maybe the number one pick? Um, well, Josh Rosen. He's his numbers aren't good, but. The way he approaches the game, his mental approach, uh, the way he interacts in the locker room, the way that the organization, his teammates believe in him. Uh, he's taking his lumps now, but he has the traits of a franchise quarterback. And so there is that small positive that, hey, we have the quarterback of the future. He's taking his lumps now. Hopefully he doesn't go David Carr. Uh, and... And hopefully this experience helps him grow and he can have a Jared Goff-like growth from year one to year two. Um, Other than that, that, also the draft class has been good. The draft class has been actually, I would have to say this is Steve Kime's best draft class. We can look at the last several drafts. He's had some hits for a couple of years and injuries have taken, but this entire draft class looks pretty solid. Josh Rosen looks like it's going to be good. Christian Kirk. Um, they they think really highly of him up on injured reserve. Mason Cole has played every snap this season at center. Um, very promising. He's been their most consistent. He's not hasn't been good, but he's been their most consistent lineman. Playing center as a rookie is not an easy thing to do. They've gotten production from Chase Edmonds, their fourth round pick, and now their their seventh round pick, Corey Cunningham, has been playing left tackle, and, and he's had a couple of hiccups in the last two games, but it, it appears that they kind of have him with a short sample a small sample size they kind of have him pegged as a potential starter at right tackle a year from now so the the draft class the rookie class it gives promise um just not for this year it's for next year and beyond well just to back up a little bit how has josh rosen's development gone and are you confident in him as your quarterback of the future i personally am um You don't want to compare him to Peyton Manning, but having a Peyton Manning-like rookie year, there are things that he does well. In fact, I was super impressed with his debut start, his first start uh, against the Seahawks. 
the numbers weren't good, but the way he was commanding the huddle, the throws that he was making were just fantastic. As the year has gone down, uh, he's gotten a little more unsure. He holds the ball a little too long. Um, he's he's had a few misses. He's got 10 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Four of those picks have gone for touchdowns the other way. Uh, so, but but you see, you don't see a guy that's lost. You see a guy that's that's trying to make plays, that has made some really nice throws, that has some promise, that has the leadership, that has the mental acuity. And, and the team is very pleased with, with, they're not pleased with the results, but they're pleased with the process. I believe he will be a very good quarterback so long as this sort of disaster around him doesn't happen again. Um, because I don't want him to be, I want him to be, I don't want him to be another Tim Couch who was broken by his third year. Well, since he's running the offense, how do you feel that, you know, the Cardinals offense will do against the Rams defense right now? And, you know, when you're done talking, I'll tell you how they can beat the Rams defense because everybody else has figured out how to do it in the last three weeks. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The Cardinals offense can't really do anything against anyone, to be honest. Um, they're, they're, they're the worst team in yards per game, points per game, uh, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game. I think they're second to last. Of, it might be last of third down conversion. I can't think of a single thing that they do well. That said, they have started games well. And if they avoid adversity, so if they avoid turnovers, and this, this is kind of the things that early on against the if their defense can play well, they, they have to have everything working out perfectly and then put themselves in a position in the fourth quarter to, to do something. Against the Packers, we saw it. Um, but we've seen them take a lead. They took a 7-0 lead against the Falcons and were playing well defensively. They took a 10-0 lead against the Chargers. And then what made things fall apart was a turnover and they didn't know how to stop the bleeding and they just bled out on all in front of everyone on the field. And it just, and it was just, it was, it was terrible to watch. Now, can, what can they do? Um, it's going to be tough that the, the Atlanta defensive front exposed the rookies for what they were on the Cardinals offensive line. And so protecting Josh Rose has been very difficult to get sacked six times last week. David Johnson is, is not finding after some initial success with Byron Leftwich uh, calling plays. It's going back to, to almost nothing. I don't know what the Cardinals can do. Um, if they can avoid negative plays, so if it, they can run the ball, but they're inconsistent. A negative plays will kill them. If they if they stay on if they stay on schedule on offense, they're okay and they can move the ball methodically down the field. So that's something to watch and kind of like drive number one. Um, and then after that, if they can avoid disaster, if they can keep because they can do that methodically. They're they're not they don't make a ton of plays down the field. They don't they they're just kind of like dink and dunk, make a few plays, you know, intermediate pass here. Uh, but I honestly, the Cardinals have scored 16 points in their last three games against the Rams. That I think it's what's 99 to 16 in their three la- in last three games, and it's I 
I'm worried that they might not score any points. I predict they will score points, but I don't know what they can do against the Rams right now. Well, Matt Patricia started the blueprint with the Lions, and then the Bears came in and perfected the blueprint, and then the Eagles followed the blueprint. So really all you got to do is double and triple team Aaron Donald because Sue and Brockers aren't doing anything on the line. Our linebackers are picking the wrong holes to fill, so run the ball right up the middle, keep pushing it up the middle, and as soon as you start having success, our defensive ends will crash in. You can bump it outside, get long gains there. Don't let him hold the ball long in the you know on the pass plays. Throw quick release passes. Once you get them, you know success there. Then they'll start biting. You know they won't. They won't. They haven't done any man. I think they played man only three times last week against the Eagles. So you know you got the you got plenty of cushion to throw underneath. And then as soon as they start biting underneath, you got the long ball. And that's been the success for every team so far that's beaten us is, you know, basically double and triple team Aaron Donald, take him out of the game and nobody else has been doing anything. Well, I'm sure that is what they intend on doing. I don't know how effective they'll be. <laughs> They've got a seventh round pick at left tackle, a rookie seventh rounder. They've got a rookie sixth round pick at left guard who was, who didn't even make his team. He was drafted by the Vikings. He didn't make the team. They signed him off the practice squad. They've got a third round rookie, You've got a, a Ode Abushi who's got who started some games, but he's been in the league five years and and never started an entire season. And Joe Barksdale was not. I mean, if he's he's under he's in the concussion protocol. I mean, he's a veteran, he's played a lot, but he hasn't been good, uh, which is why the Chargers cut him. Um, they picked him up a couple weeks ago. And Will Holden is a guy that couldn't even make the Cardinals team out of camp, and he's back now. So. I'm sure that's what they want to do. Aaron Donald might be able to take on three of these guys and, and dominate. Wow. That's that's a tremendous lack of faith. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really yeah, on both sides. <laughs> uh, well, I, it, it's just so weird because normally I'm the pessimist of the show and Norm's the optimist, and today I'm it's flipping. It's, well, I'm, I'm not being a pessimist. Today. I'm being a realist. Well, I, I, I've, I've been watching what's been happening. <laughs> pessimism oftentimes means realism, so, and I got, I've always been accused of being that guy. And now maybe maybe we're seeing a flip here. It's going going our way here though. Just what about the Cardinals' defense? Will they be able to do a lot of the Bears and Eagles did to stop the Rams? Do they even have the personnel to get the job done? Like you're talking about the offense. Well, that depends on how disciplined they are. They they were able to limit Todd Gurley the last time. Now, how how healthy is Gurley going to be this week? We don't, we don't know. Day to day, right now, the information. Um, I I would anticipate he'll probably play. I mean, the Cardinals have have had really two solid rushing defense performances against LA against you guys in week two, and then in their win over the Packers. Uh, the problem is. They will be pretty solid defensively uh, against the run, but then give up three huge plays. Um, they gave up a 65-yarder, a 44-yarder, and a 43-yarder against the Ram uh, against the Falcons. Uh, that's kind of been that's kind of been the blueprint all year. They they will be they'll keep things bottled up except for two or three big runs, and that that kind of does them in. And then or or against the Lions, they do it for three quarters. And then Zach Zenner comes in and, and runs them down. They they have the ability to do it. Now the problem is, 
again, on the defensive side of the ball, they, they don't have a good linebacking core. Um, it's been their defect all year. Josh Bynes, he's gone for the, the rest of the season. He got hurt. Uh, Hassan Reddick has turned a corner, uh, so he's playing much better. Gerald Hodges was an off-the-street guy pickup. The, most of the time, they only play two linebackers. Even in their base, they play a lot of nickel in their base. And then it depends on what you're getting up front. They only have technically three defensive tackles on the roster, so everything has to go well. They, they've got to stay in their gaps, which has been tough for them this year. They've, they've been jumping in and out, out of their gaps and then being able to be good tacklers for an entire game. They haven't done that. They will play well for three quarters and then their one quarter just get away from them. Can they do it? Yes. Now, one thing that the, the Cardinals are very good at is limiting the passing game. They pretty much down the field, like anything over the top, Cardinals have taken care of all year. They, I think they're, they were last week. I don't know what the ranking is right now. They're number four against the pass. They're very good about limiting receivers and limiting the passing game overall and keeping things in front of them. The issue has just been the running game that, that stops. If they can limit Todd Gurley, and I think that they can keep things close. It's a very ugly I mean, the Rams play a brand of football, at least if, for the majority of the year. They play a brand of football that everyone loves to watch. The Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs. It's exciting and fun to watch. McVay is, is, is an offensive whiz. Uh, it's fun to watch. Cardinals, when they're playing their best, play a very, un, it's very unesthetically pleasing. Um, they shorten the game. They, they try to, to limit. They, they want to play strong defensively. And they're going to try and keep things close until late in the game. Can they do it? They are perfectly capable of doing it. But it takes such discipline for all 60 minutes for things to go right and to not derail. Can they do it? Sure. Will they? It's going to come down to do they limit the running game because they've been good against the pass. All they've got to do is what everybody else has been doing. Forget about the run. Forget about it. Don't even worry about it. Don't even pay attention to the play action because they've been play act. They, they do play action all the time, but yet they don't run the ball to establish it. Take take your three defensive front guys, get a pass rush with them, put any pressure you can on Jared Goff, sit your other eight guys back, you know, five to 20 yards in a big bubble and you'll stop them. That's what everybody's been doing. They've not been paying any attention to the run whatsoever and have been covering just the pass. And when they do that and can get a pass rush, the Rams offense hasn't been able to do anything. That, I mean, that's potentially good. But my guess is when you have the 29th or 30th ranked rush defense and you've got Todd Gurley, if he's healthy, they might, they might, you know, I know uh, passing, the, passing, the, passing the ball is the new running the ball from the 80s, but that might be the way to go. Hopefully, I mean, I guess you guys would probably love to see Todd Gurley get more carries. Well, Well, I'd love to see him more carries and actually gain some yards, sure. Well, (laughs) on the flip side right now, with his knee being sore, I'd like to see, you know, the Rams' depth be what I believe it is. I know Justin Davis is hurt too, but I'm a big believer in John Kelly, and I'm hoping that the Rams can get Kelly some carries this weekend and give, you know, Gurley a little bit of a break there. That's what I'm hoping for. But in order for that to happen, it's got to be a blowout, I think. So we'll find. We'll talk about that when we get to predictions. 
And folks, by the way, before I get to the next question here, uh, we are live. Norm's in a hotel room. Uh, Jess is just getting back from the store, I believe. So we are live. If you're hearing noise, it's what's going on. We're not trying to be a low-quality podcast here. It just was one of those nights we decided, hey, you know what? Let's do this live. Let's go ahead and chat up a little bit, um, a little bit of around-the-fire conversation. So there you go. Uh, Jess, when talking about this game, and, and you seem like you're really, really down on, the, on what's going to happen on Sunday, but what are your X factors for this game? Chandler Jones. Um, I mean, he's got some. He's got some motivation. He just um, he just uh, committed twenty thousand dollars per sack over the final two games of the season to, her, to to the Children's Hospital here, and he. I mean, he is their best defensive player. He's the disruptor. He's the he's the one that can make things happen. He he's gone sackless for the last two games. And it's been a few since he created a turnover, and that's that's what they really need. If he can create a turnover, get a strip sack, uh, get a couple of hits on Jared Goff, that uh, you know, we know tip passes can be kind of one way or another. The Cardinals have seen Dar- Josh Rosen has had two of tip two tip passes this year returned for touchdowns uh, on off interception. So that's the sort of thing that we needed to see. The other thing, obviously, would be well David Johnson. Like if they run the ball, like if they can, if they follow this blueprint and double, triple Aaron Donald and get and David Johnson going, that can shorten the game. So between David Johnson getting some production and Chandler Jones getting to Jared Goff, that's kind of what we have to look for because, you know, uh, the other guys, the other guys now, and now, in fairness, the Cardinals have had decent push off the edge. Now, teams are really, really focusing all their effort on Chandler Jones. So it then becomes a responsibility of guys like Marcus Golden and Benson Mayoa to to find a, their way to the quarterback from the from the right tackle spot uh, over the right tackle position. And with that, the if they can get if they can because they've generated sacks pretty much all year up until the last two games. They were one of the I think going into a couple of weeks ago I think they're number two and number three in sacks. That has tailed off the last two weeks. They haven't gotten pressure on the opposing quarterback. So if they can do that to Goff and run the ball, then then there'll be the chance for something. Well, we'll put it this way. Not necessarily a Cardinals upset, but a competitive game, which looking at the line, it ranges anywhere between 13 and a half and 15 and a half right now. No one expects much. Just put Chandler Jones over Austin Blythe and, and Sullivan in the middle. You'll be fine. They, that's the one thing with the Cardinals. They've done very little of this year. Last year, the last couple of years with James Betcher, they moved him around a little bit more. He's almost excluded. They didn't move him around a lot. They moved him around a little uh, and found some success. But he almost exclusively rushes over left tackle. Well, I'm, uh, watching all the film that I've been watching, our center and our right guard have just been getting tossed around like they're little kids. So if you uh, if Chandler Jones exposes that, there could be some problems there. Well, they've got Corey Peters is pretty, he's um, underrated solid player in the inside. And Rodney Gunter, who is a physical specimen and is finally kind of coming into his own uh, inside. It's a bummer. This would be, this would be a game for, for Robert Kimdichie to, to really cause some problems. Cause they're, you know, you got Aaron Dalton. You guys know all about Aaron Dalton, but Robert Kimdichie is is really that sort of physical freak who who should have 
Aaron Donald or, or Peek and Dominican Sue type disruption numbers. And then he, he had that game against the Chargers, two and a half sacks, eight tackles, ta- three tackles for loss. That's the side of thing he had the potential. Now he's done. Now he tore his ACL. So don't have to worry about him. Now you've got backups going against the, uh, you got backups going against you. It's pretty much the case for the Cardinals all year. They've been bad. And then they're the bright spots. They got hurt. So, so, Talking about this team before, you know, we're almost there. We're almost done, guys. Um, but talking about this team, you have guys who are going to be Hall of Famers. Larry Fitzgerald, eventually, I believe, will be a Hall of Famer. Um, David Johnson, a great running back. How are your stars handling the struggles this year? And what kind of turnover rate are you expecting this offseason? That's going to be tough. Well, it was in May national news. Patrick Peterson requested a trade near the deadline. Um, seemed to be appeased of something happened where he's not necessarily unhappy, but he's satisfied for now. I don't know if that was just a push to the offseason. Peterson, we'll have to watch. That's a storyline to watch in the offseason. Larry Fitzgerald, that's his, he's, he's not having a Larry Fitzgerald year, but no one on offense is. He is, he is doing some great things within the locker room. He's, he's, he's Larry legend. I mean, I can't say enough about what he means to, to this team, to the teammates. David Johnson's had a very, had a down year. He's not been good this year. He, and and it's hard to blame him with the usage. They've not used him nearly as much as they should have as a receiver. And the running game has just been atrocious. So he's gotten very little help in terms of getting production. Uh, he's been a disappointment. Fitz's numbers are a disappointment, although he's not a disappointment. And Patrick Peterson was unhappy at some point, so he, he wanted out. The offseason, Fitz might retire. Peterson might be traded. David Johnson's going to be here for sure. Now, the, the big question for us over the offseason is, is, is Steve Wilkes going to get fired? The Cardinals haven't done a one-and-done coach, I think, since the 50s. They're traditionally very patient. Um, but this is the worst season um, uh, that they've ever had in Arizona. They had a 1-3-13 year way back in the day, um, but this is even worse. This is a worse year because statistically everything is just bad. Um, it's hard to see Steve Wilkes surviving this, which means if Steve Wilkes is gone, they're going to bring in a new coach and they're going to bring in a whole new staff and kind of start over again. And now that'll give Josh Rosen a third offensive coordinator in two seasons. Uh, I don't know if Larry Fitzgerald would want to go through another coaching change. Um, hopefully it's not a rebuild, but they can build, you know, the people are kind of looking at the bears and the Rams as, as examples. And, and for that to happen, they had to fire their coach and, and get a, get the offensive whiz. Um, I don't know who that is this off season. Um, if that's, if that's the case, or if you can even count on, being able to turn around like the Rams or the Bears because the Rams and the Bears, quite frankly, had while while the Cardinals do have stars on defense, the talent across the board on on those def- on the Rams defense and on the Bears defense was just the depth and the talent was greater when they made the coaching change and obviously you bring in Wade Phillips who is uh, one of the greatest ever in terms of coaching a defense and took that events to another level bears add Khalil Mack Cardinals have their pass rusher they have their cornerback but uh, they have an aging 
safety. They, they have a lot of free agents, in fact. Um, they, the only defensive end, the only edge player they have under contract next year is, is Chandler Jones. Um, they have no second cornerback under contract for next year that you could project as a starter. Uh, Trey Boston's a free agent. Um, Cheryl, well, like the linebacker, there's questions. David Buchanan's a free agent. Uh, on the defensive interior, Rodney Gunter's a free agent. Robert Kimdichie's coming off, is, is just had ACL surgery, so he'll go on the shelf for most of next year. There's going to be a lot of turnover. There's potentially a lot of turnover on defense, and that's going to, it's going to depend, first and foremost, on if Steve Wilkes returns, and if not, who that coach is, and what type, what type of offense and defense are they going to want to run? Oh, that's a lot of meat right there, man. Um, and I guess we have nowhere else to go but to ask you, well, how are you calling this game? What's your prediction? I believe for I believe the capsule that I wrote for Sports Weekly, I have it twenty-seven to thirteen Rams. I the, there's there's the one factor that despite how badly the things have gone for the Cardinals this year, they were embarrassed once earlier this year that thirty-four to nothing loss in, in L.A. in Week Two. Uh, I don't think they will be. If things will go as badly as they did then, and, and I think they put some points on the board. I mean, ultimately, depending on where the line ends up being, I've seen it between thirteen and a half and fifteen and a half. I mean, it's still a two touchdown deficit. I think the Cardinals put a get a touchdown on the board, and but I still think that they run into the same problem. So I'm going to say twenty-seven thirteen Rams, and hopefully it's not Larry Fitzgerald's last ever home game because that might be the case. Norm. Well, I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick the Rams to win, but barely. I'm going to go 20 to 16 Rams. I just don't think they're going to be able to fix their issues. I think Arizona is going to be able to expose a lot of them. Uh, if Arizona is going to score, this is the time to do it because the Rams are giving up way too many points, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer, just like all the other games have been recently. I think it's going to be closer than it should have been. And that's why I'll go uh, twenty to sixteen. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, you know, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go differently here. I think this Rams team, going down the roster, is very talented. Very talented. And after the last two performances, where a lot of it was taking the eye off the ball, not being fundamental here football, I think they're embarrassed. I think they were embarrassed by their performances out there, and I'm expecting them to come out there ticked off, focused, and this is an opportunity for them to get healthy mentally. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to get their score 50 points or anything, but I'm going to go 31-10 Rams. That's probably going to be the case. <laughs> so, all right, so Jess, you are raving on the show. We, we're very thankful you came on. Can you let people know where to find you to get some, uh, some Arizona analysis on this game? Certainly. The, the website is cardswire.com. It's part of the USA Today NFL Wire. You can, you can find me on my podcast. It's called Rise Up Sea Red. Um, you can find it pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts at. I, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Blog Talk. Everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, everywhere podcasts you can find at Spotify. Um, that, we've got a show that recording Tuesday night and... I mean, it's kind of a doom and gloom podcast these days, but hey, we might get we we might get Nick Bosa. So Chandler Jones, Nick Bosa, watch out, NFC West. What? Oh yeah, okay. I think about that for a minute. Oh yeah, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> there, at least there's that. 
Well, if that happens, that you know that changes the whole game in the, in the NFC West having those two edge guys. Okay, uh, Jess, thanks so much. Well, I will be talking to you again in the offseason, I'm sure, and and maybe my wish of coming on your show just to just talk football will uh, come true. All right, Take, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Jess. All right, Norm, man, I guess we're about to have a conversation here. Uh, before we do. The Gold Ram Barbershop. That's one constant we know will always turn out right. Here's Norm with the Gold Ram Barbershop. Now it's time to give a shout-out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's like a shrine to the Rams, it, like a Hall of Fame to the Rams in a barbershop. But it, Sal also provides that really nice old-school barbershop experience, talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal. All right, again, thanks so much to Sal, who's been are one of our biggest supporters from the get-go. Uh, in the news today, we've had a couple things going on. First, we had a cut, a surprising cut. I thought for sure after that fumble that JoJo Natson would be out of here. Um, I was wrong. Instead, all pro, Pharaoh Cooper uh, gets released today to make room in the roster for, well, C.J. Anderson. So I first, first re- <laughs> I'm still wondering, what? What? Norm, tell me your thoughts on seeing Farrow go. Uh, I don't think it affects the team too much, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Judge O'Nasson had a fumble. Farrell Cooper had fumbles last year that cost us the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. That's the only place that Cooper's been contributing is special teams, and that's, and that's the only place he's been contributing. So you don't really need two of them. And bringing in C.J. Anderson's probably a smart move right now especially with Gurley's knee being hurt and who knows what's happening with Justin Davis and his shoulder. So, uh, you know, having some depth at running back isn't going to hurt us. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Gurley doesn't play the next couple of games, if the Rams can pull it off and uh, give him some rest and get him ready for the playoffs. So all in all, I'm not surprised about either move. I think CJ Anderson can be a formidable running back when he wants to be. And, you know, welcome aboard. Well, with Farrell, I guess I am surprised a little bit because of the fact that he wasn't all pro, you know, last year. The team doesn't go eleven and five without him. Quite frankly, he just made some plays. On the flip side of it, though, with the new kickoff rule, it's changed the game. It's made the kick return a lot less important. We've had a you know much much less excitement this year with on kickoff returns. He, um, we don't know how he looked in practice coming back from his injury. He was not really on kickoff returns much at all this year. So I get it. I'm just surprised that when you've had a guy who at least has done something for you, that you know you would let him go over JoJo Natson. There's, there's got to be something about JoJo they like. 
or, or well, Blake Blake Countess has been our kick returner for you know eight games, and you know he was averaging twenty four point six yards per mm-hmm. return, and when Cooper came back, he's averaging twenty point two. So really, you were better off with Countess there, uh, according to you know how many yards per return, and Natson, I think overall has been a pretty good punt returner for us. And, you know, Farrow had his moments last year, too, but I just don't think he's the same player that he used to be. So I, I can understand the move. All right. On the flip side, what we're getting here is a former pro bowler, C.J. Anderson. And Wade Phillips knows him very well. C.J. Anderson, uh, his one pro bowl year in 2014, rushed uh, for 849 yards, eight touchdowns and in seven starts. Was a backup for some of that year. Uh, the last couple of years had you know spent some time on the bench. In 2016, seven games, 437 yards. And then in his last year in Denver, which is last year, ran for 1,007 yards, 4.1 yards to carry. Sorry, I'm not sure about that. And I don't know if you just heard that, but Alex in the background decided to talk. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, you, did you hear that? I heard it. I thought maybe, I I thought was like, maybe what? you were. I thought maybe you were in a hotel room. But, I had know. no idea. <laughs> the things that happened live. Okay, so 1,007 yards for Anderson last year that if they can get some kind of form out of him, it's a good move. He did not do well in Carolina. 104 yards on 24 carries, only one start this year. Overall, what are your thoughts on getting him at this point in the season? Well, for a career, he's averaged 4.4 yards a carry. This year he's played in nine games. You're right, 24 rushes for 104 yards, but that's still 4.3 yards a carry. Uh, I think that he could come in and do, you know, a good job, uh, either giving Gurley some rest. He's, he's more of a, a power back. He's kind of like a bowling ball, five, eight, 225 pounds. You know, he's a guy that can be kind of like a Malcolm Brown type of runner for us. And then you've got, uh, you know, the other, the other two speedsters that are younger that can come in and, and, and move the ball on the outside if uh, Justin Davis is, you know, or turns out being healthy and, and Kelly, you know, he, he seems to be able to do it all if, if he gets the opportunity. So I don't think it's a bad move bringing him in. And with this move, I almost feel like they're going to give Gurley some rest. I just wonder too, I don't really think this is as much for Gurley as it is to replace Brown. They're so similar, him and Brown and what he brings to the table. He catches some balls on the backfield. He's, a bigger guy. I think what the Rams have really missed have been, believe it or not, Malcolm Brown. He had a role in that defense. I think, I mean, sorry, offense. I think that Anderson fills that void, and he's experienced. I do wonder how effective he'll be. And he's been on. He's been sitting out for a month. I cannot believe that if he's as, as an effective a player as he used to be, that he'd be sitting out there in free agency for a month. I just can't well, believe that. He's probably healthy though. <laughs> Hell, yeah, healthy and experienced. I guess that's what you'll need and. Wade Phillips knows him well, so you know that's a good voice to be in the front in the in the ear of the front office. So I, I'm with it. I'm I'm okay with it. I understand it. I I just go back to the move of of all people. It's Farrell Cooper, not JoJo. But you know what? Just two weeks ago, you and I were both very happy with JoJo. So yeah, if it wasn't for the fumble that that he had, we'd still be happy with him. Yeah. So so we don't know what the, what the Rams are seeing in practice. We don't know. If it's just that they feel that Pharaoh's not back from his injury and, and they need somebody now, I can totally get that. And honestly, neither one of those guys really plays offense anyway, so it's really about the return game. 
Right. So moving on, that was our news. Now moving on to, shall we call this segment Norm's Rant? I Shall we even go there? And we have a list of stuff here. I'm going to let you just just go. Where do you want to go with it? Where do you want to start here on what you saw from this game? What do you want to address? Well, well, first of all, let me make something clear. I'm a Rams fan. I've always been a Rams fan. I always will be a Rams fan. I still love the team. I'm just angry right now because there's a lot of issues going on that the coaching staff isn't taking care of. And I'm sure the players have a little bit to do with it, too. The bye week hurt us. You know, we were looking forward to having the bye week to get healthy, but it took all our momentum away. I mean, we had a crazy game in KC, and then we haven't been able to really move the football since. So, you know, I'm not being a Debbie Downer here. I'm just trying to, you know, there's some serious issues right now with this team, both on offense and on defense. And if the coaching staff doesn't start making the moves that they need to do and changes changes to the scheme and so forth that they need to do before the end of the season, we're liable to be one and done in the playoffs again. And that certainly is not what any of us want. So I've spent a lot of time watching film and going over things. I watched the Detroit film over and over again. I watched the, which was very hard to do. I watched the bears game over and over again. And then I spent some time on the Eagles film and there's some real definite things going on. So I guess we'll start off on the offensive side of the ball. Jared Goff is struggling. His accuracy is struggling. He fumbles the ball when he gets hit, which is something he's got to fix. And the defensive, you know, the defense has approved that if you can put pressure on him consistently and stop him early, he's not going to be able to do anything the rest of the game. His footwork's been bad the last few weeks. His throwing mechanics have been off. His accuracy's definitely shown that all that's going on. And I still have faith in Jared Goff. I still think that he can, you know, can eventually be a, a franchise quarterback in this league. But there's a lot of things that have to happen. And, you know, a lot of that starts with our offensive line. Let's face it, <laughs> our line has not played up to par the last three weeks. Even Whitworth's been getting more penalties than usual. He's been getting beat more than usual. Saffold is probably one of our better offensive linemen and he hasn't been doing that great uh sullivan in the middle has been getting thrown around like a little child and austin Blythe hasn't been doing much better they they've been getting bulldozed uh when you've got a defensive line that can lower their head and just bull rush they haven't been able to stop anybody and that's part of the reason that jared goff's been struggling uh havenstein's actually played fairly well but you know, you're you're kind of out there on an island at right tackle. So uh, they're going to have to change their schemes up and not, uh, you know, they've been going out in, in 12 personnel and 13 personnel, mostly 12 personnel all season. And maybe they got to change that up. They're, they've been running, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, when they, when they run the football, they run the, the, what do they call it? Zone. The zone yeah. blocking schemes. They, maybe they need to, to change that up. Uh, you know, try pulling a guard every once in a while. Do something a little different. Because right now, when the defensive line is able to bull rush the guards and center back into the backfield, the zone blocking scheme isn't working at all. And when the zone blocking scheme isn't working, 
it shuts down our running game. When it shuts down our running game, then the play action's worthless. And that's essentially what every team the last three weeks has done is they've pretty much said, don't, we're not going to worry about you running the football. We're just going to sit back and, and knock you off on the passing game. And, you know, if you get some yards on us on the running game, you're not being consistent enough with it anyway. So we're not worried about it. Sooner or later, you're going to be, a, you're going to not make it on third down and we're going to get the ball back. So when you can consistently not pay any attention to the play action and the running game's not working, it makes it really hard to run the football. And that's pretty much what Sean McVay's offense is dependent on being able to run the football and go off play action. Wait, so, wait I got to ask this because we talked a little bit about this just offline. You're talking about the running game. Now, going back to the Philadelphia game in that first quarter, especially, they did run the ball. They focused the ball. They focused on multiple different ways of getting Todd Gurley the ball. And it worked. It was a slow drive. It was a methodical drive. It was a very good drive, but it wasn't explosive. But it worked. And then Gurley yeah. got hurt. Right. So are they really not working to correct the problem? Or is it, in that case, in it, where an injury got in the way of their game plan to deal with what the Eagles are doing on, doing on defense? Well, they totally gave up on the running game after Gurley got hurt. And they only used him periodically and went right back, which I think is Sean McVay's MO anyways. As soon as something isn't working, he's going to start passing the football. You know, you can't tell me that our other running backs can't run the football. So it just seems to me like if you can stop the running game, whether it be hurting Gurley or stopping the zone blocking or whatever, once you once they can stop that, it's over. So they've really got to change up to some schemes there. And I, I'm really a little bit disappointed in the play calling the last three weeks. It started to look better last week, but then it kind of fell apart, whether it's because of Gurley or, or other reasons. I just think – McVeigh's got to learn to adapt a little bit more. And and I know it's only a second year and he's a young coach, but you know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And lately he's been doing the same thing over and over again and the results haven't been different. So it's kind of insane. Uh, I just think that they have to, to change it up a little bit. Well, that's where I'm going to disagree a little bit. I mean, on the overall idea of, adjustments and growing as an offensive coordinator and coach and so on and so forth. I agree. I agree. But going back to this game, I, they came out with a different game plan. They had, it was working and then the injury happened. And maybe at that point in time with Justin Davis getting hurt, they were in trouble at that point. At halftime, it's still 13, 13. They're moving the ball. Gurley had been, had been minimal at, in that second quarter. I just don't know that, it was really a case of the game plan in this situation as, it, as it much as it was Rams players making mistakes, not following the fundamentals, not making the plays they know to make. That's where well, I'm going with this game. I'm, okay, if, you go, so, if you go back so to Chicago game, and Detroit, I agree with you. So if they, they played half a game, good. Okay. So out of the last three weeks, they've played two quarters, good. The rest I'm not, of the time. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you're talking about the scheme, I feel like the Rams – offense schemed well for this game overall and then bad things happened now we could talk about did adjustments work well in the third quarter they clearly didn't work they they dominate the fourth quarter but by then you're down 30 to 13 but i just look at the going i i have a hard time faulting the scheme in this particular game if you want to go back to detroit and chicago i'm with you i'm with you 100 all the way it's just okay. in that so section there where I, I, I question that, 
but you also were able to spend a little more time on film as well. So what else are you seeing? Well, I think I could line up uh, against Austin Blythe or, or John Sullivan and knock them on their butt. So I don't know that it really matters. They, they just haven't been performing up to par. And I don't know if it's, you know, that Sullivan's older and not as strong and Blythe is, is younger and not as experienced or what. But when you get a guy, you know, my size, a bigger guy that, that has some power that can power rush against those guys, it's, it's been hurting us a lot. And, and that's why I say I think they need to change the scheme up. They were still running a lot of the similar schemes. They were just having success with those schemes until Gurley got hurt. And what I'm saying is I didn't see any pulling guards. I didn't see any different things. I still saw the same zone blocking schemes, just done different a little bit. And that's where I'm I'm disagreeing with you and saying it was still too similar, even though they were having some success. If they were to change it up more, I think Blythe would do a lot better as a pulling guard than running a zone blocking scheme. And you don't have to, you can pull Sullivan, but you don't have to pull Sullivan, which gives him, you know, a little bit more rest. There's just lots of different things I see that they could do differently. And, you know, on, on the defensive side, <laughs> we pay a lot of money for Sue. Sue's done a good job stopping the run for the most part. But where in the heck is his pass rush? I mean, they're double and triple teaming Aaron Donald. He he's not beating you know Sue's not beating guys one on one to get to the quarterback. He had a couple of good hits, but he's not getting there quick enough. And then Brockers, who I've bragged about, you know, all the beginning of the year, hasn't done squat. So you, you take those three down linemen. If you take out, it seems like the recipe is you take out Aaron Donald, and the other two aren't going to do anything. And oh my God, don't get me started on the defensive ends. <laughs> I played outside linebacker, defensive end, you know, in my career. And you've done some coaching. What is the primary job of a defensive end or outside linebacker? Set the edge. Do not let anybody outside you, period. And I'm sitting here watching film, and Fowler and uh, Ibukam, I'm watching them rush inside the tackle. And I'm like, what the heck? Before the play even happened, I'm like, if they kick this outside – we're in trouble, and sure enough, they kick it outside. Zone, they're not. None of these guys are sticking to their gaps. None of these guys are doing their jobs correctly. Our our front defensive, down, you know, down linemen, all they're doing is worrying about the pass rush. And the only guy that's been able to get that done is Aaron Donald. You take that out of the picture with double and triple teams. The other two guys aren't doing anything. Fowler and Ibukam aren't containing the edge. And then <laughs> I watched Corey Littleton. It was it was a really nice piece that I saw, the way the film was set up, where they ran the ball right up the middle on us. And it was, I think it was right, right over the right guard. Littleton was right in front of the right guard. As soon as the ball was snapped, he didn't shuffle his feet at all. He just started heading right towards their left guard. No, no watching, no, no hovering, no trying to watch the hole, no watching the running back or anything. He didn't hesitate. He went, and, and it wasn't a blitz, and it just opened the hole wide open, and they're gashing us. And I watched the same thing happen on the other side with uh, Mark Barron. Our defense lacks serious fundamentals, and it's killing us. 
The other problem is the way Marcus Peters has played this year, they don't trust him in man coverage. Talib's back from his injury. They don't trust him yet on man coverage. They they only lined up in man coverage, I think, three times the whole game. And the one time they lined up Talib against uh, Zach Ertz, and Zer- Ertz beat him when he was playing man coverage. And I think Wade Phillips went, okay, we can't do that anymore. And so they're giving him too big a cushion, taking Donald out of the game. They're not getting any pass rush from anybody else. They're able to run the football against us. It's just a disaster. And if they if they don't start playing more sound fundamental football and, and start taking care of their own gaps, this team is not going to be able to stop anybody. And that's pretty scary. Question for you. In mm-hmm. terms of the the overall scheme, well, we're seeing a lot of movement now on social media, and folks are starting to really call out call Wade Phillips. And this is something that really wasn't happening before. In the earlier parts of the year, it was just a case of, hey, you know what, uh, we, we have to leave out. Peters isn't really set yet. We've had some injuries. and But now as we get later in the year and we're seeing some mistakes that are happening, fundamental mistakes, a lack of discipline, you could say, is it safe to is it safe to start looking at Wade Phillips and going, you know what, you're responsible for this? Or am I jumping the gun here? I'm not, and I'm not even thinking that, by the way. I'm really, this is an honest question. I haven't made any kind of conclusion. I'm just seeing this on social media, and I'm seeing plenty of people asking those questions. And so I'm just going to you and saying, well, is it time to question him? I'm a huge Wade Phillips fan. I've loved watching him coach over the years. But I have to admit, after watching a lot of film this year, there's part of me that's even questioning if he's our guy. And I don't want to go there yet, but I'm definitely starting to pay attention. And, you know, when your team isn't playing good, sound, gap, fundamental football, it's got to go somewhere. And, you know, right now he's in charge of the defense. Now, yeah, we've had some injuries. We've had some things happen. But I I just – there's some blatant things. I'm watching film and I'm I'm throwing stuff across the room because I'm like, unbelievable. I can't believe, you know, Ibukam just did that. Or I can't believe that Sue can't beat that that left guard one-on-one who's a nobody. You know, I'm, I'm just frustrated over and over and over again watching this stuff. You know, do I want the Rams to re-sign Sue next year at this point? No, he's not worth the money. Do... Do we? I mean, we've got three first-round draft picks, and three only one of them. Is... Oh, you mean five? We have in total, total in defense, right? I'm I'm talking about our down three down linemen. Okay. Donald, okay. Sue, and Brockers are all three first rounders, and only Donald is playing like a first rounder. And you can't if you're going to pay, you know, what fourteen? Is that what Sue's making? Fourteen million for one yes. year? Yeah, it's not worth it. If he if he can't start putting more pressure on the quarterback, we need to let him go next year and bring in somebody else. I think I think Fowler is an answer for us. I think we definitely need to bring him back. I think once he's in the defense longer, he'll be okay. He becomes young, but boy, he's his fundamentals right now. His he's not doing his job, and it's concerning. And I can tell you right now, I, I I've enjoyed watching Corey Littleton play, 
and Mark Barron play over you know this year and and Barron last year, they're not our answer in the middle either. So, you know, if we can manage to somehow finish this year out okay, we need to be seriously looking to replace both of them next year. Does well, does Corey Littleton work better on the edge, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if he's big enough on the edge. Um, honestly, I think he'd make a great safety if he was a little faster. But and he, and he might make a good backup, but he's not a starting caliber inside linebacker. He's fast. He's got good instincts. He's a playmaker. But as far as reading the holes and stopping the run and things like that, he's nowhere near where he needs to be. And I hate saying that because I like the guy, but, you know, we need – this is when you start missing some of the some of the guys like Laurinaitis and things like that. I know, you know, a lot of people didn't think Laurinaitis was that great, but he was consistent and, you know, at least you knew he was going to do his job. Well, with Laurinaitis too, you know, they, they wasted his best years and by the time he was done, he just was – wasn't wasn't who he knew he was in the beginning. I, I, the question I want I really ponder though is, you know, the Rams in Snead's first draft, the 2017 draft, they earned heavy praise during the season for drafting football intelligence, just smart guys who knew the game, and we assumed that's the same for this class that came in 2018. And I don't think we have any real complaints about the 2018 class, considering who they got and where they got them. The real thing I wonder, though, overall, is if it, for a franchise that values football intelligence, why are they struggling so much with fundamentals right now? And right now, it's honestly, we've seen the symptoms all year. It's not like they haven't been there. It's just they've they've outscored teams in a lot of cases. But the fundamental issues, especially on defense, have shown. I guess I just wonder what's going on when you value football intelligence and you value those things, why aren't they translating to the field more consistently? Well, I mean, you've seen guys like Elicom have great games where they were consistently doing what they were supposed to be doing and in the right position to make plays, and good things happen. So it's not happening every play. and some games, they're playing better than others. But overall, when you look at it, you know, setting the edge is a primary thing for an outside linebacker, defensive end, and neither one of them has been doing it that great. You know, now it's different when the coach calls a scheme, you know, some kind of a blitz package or some kind of stunt or something like that to where those guys go inside. But generally, when you do that, you're replacing them with somebody else. And I, that hasn't been happening either. So. I don't know if it's the individual coaches, the line coaches, the linebacker coaches. I don't know if it's if it's Wade Phillips and it's just time to, you know, hang him up and and start watching from TV or be a commentator because he's funny or whatever. But it's it's not working out right now. And you know, primarily you see the three down linemen rushing the passer as their primary goal. And that's okay when you have two linebackers that can stop the run, which we don't have. So uh, it's it's a bad recipe right now. Now, if everybody was to fill their gaps and do their job, I think we'd be okay. I think if we could just play solid fundamental football and not even be great, just solid fundamental, we'd be okay. But it's just not happening right now, and, and teams are exposing that. On the flip side, 
as we get ready to close up shop here, I do want to mention a couple of things, and that is, um, and it's becoming cliche, the Rams are 11-3. They are still, for the most part, in charge of their own destiny. They, they, they're, they're not in charge of first seed, but they are in charge of getting a bye in the first round and having a home game. So, you know, that, that's still there. And the things that we talk about here are the same things I'm sure they're seeing in film in there. And they're asking the same questions. The next two games, being the Cardinals and the 49ers, these are teams that are also struggling, are in a much worse position, and they're an opportunity for this team to, to turn around real quick. If they can't turn around because the Cardinals and the 49ers right now, then there is no hope. But I believe that given the opportunity to take a step back, to rework some things, and not have to to, to fear... Um, the results of playing an opponent like the Saints right now. They can go back and... I'm not saying you take them lightly. I'm not saying that. But you don't have to be concerned about perfection right now. I think it's a good thing. I think they can go in there and fix this. If they don't, now we're gonna, now it's a character thing. To me, it's been about character. You know, you when you face... Every team has those rough spots during a season. Every Every team goes through a spell... I just saw a visual on like the Patriots last year lost two games in December. They've already lost two this year in December. Teams go through bad spells and they can turn around. The Eagles last year after losing Wentz weren't the same team until they got the playoffs. All of a sudden, they're world beaters. So you can turn around. It it's character, and now we're going to find out what kind of character this team has. Do they have that mentality to bounce back from? problems that they've created in and win or are they going to disappoint that's the real question well i think they have the ability to do it i think a lot of it falls on the coaches right now and if the coaches can you know step in and make some changes and do things the right way i certainly think they have a chance at, at running the table i think they'll beat the cardinals but you know i thought they'd beat the eagles for god's sake so uh, I, I am a little worried now about the 49ers considering the 49ers beat the Seahawks last week and everybody has a, you know, can have a bad game. I mean, you know, look, uh, New Orleans barely beat Carolina yesterday, 12 to nine, and they have to play them again in two games and they have Pittsburgh next week. So, you know, if the Rams can run the table and New Orleans suddenly takes two losses, you know, we're back in position, although the Bears are right there, too. So we'd have to run the table if we lose one of these games. You know, we might even lose out on a first round bye. Yeah, they can't they can't monkey around. They can't. They, they and, can't. And I do want to throw just one disagreement with you. You're, you're, you're putting a lot of the onus on the coaches. And to me, these are grown men now. These are grown men who have been playing this game for an awful long time. You know to set the edge and you know to hit those gaps. And although the scheming part of it is on the coaches, the playing the fundamental part doesn't change at all from peewee to football all the way up through your professional career. These guys should be doing their jobs out there. And yeah, I say I, I that dis- as a, I disagree 100%. How do you, how do you disagree? You, these guys do this. A coach's job life. is to make sure that those players are doing yeah, their job. Yeah, but jobs. they're still the ones who do the job, though. They are still the ones on the field who have to make that move. I st- I'm, I'm, hold- I'm with you on holding the coaches responsible, but it's not the coaches alone. These players well, no, have to actually saying, do it. Yeah, I wasn't saying that at all, but uh, the coaches really need to step in and fire things up, and they need to make some changes. 
And if they, you know, if they can't do that, then the players need to do the same thing. They need to fire it up and make some changes as well. Uh, I don't know if the, it got to their heads that, you know, Hey, we're, you know, we're sitting here at 11 and one and now all of a sudden we're 11 and two and then we're 11 and three, you know, and I don't, I don't know, but some well, things have to change. And, you know, the leaders in the locker room players wise need to step in and make, make things happen. And each guy needs to stress more on his own game and focus on his fundamentals. And each coach needs to stress on fundamentals and make the scheme changes. And I'm saying there's a lot that has to happen and I'm I'm a little concerned that they're not going to be able to do everything they need to do in the amount of time they have to do it in. Do they have the ability? Yes. Is this team a good football team? I think they can be a great football team. And I still believe they could go to the Super Bowl and win it. But they've got to make changes. And if they don't make these changes, they're not going to go very far at all. Well, one point to make, too, as well, and that is they – they're still there. They're perfectly capable of everything. But one thing we, I think maybe we forgot is last year, the Rams had a race almost all the way to the end. They didn't clinch. They didn't clinch division. until was it, was it week 16? 15 or 16. Okay. This year, the Rams got done way early. The first team to do it. And, They've never been in that position before. Not this version of the Rams. The Rams have not been in that position in a very, very long time. And maybe it's a case of players mentally not being used to having to keep their feet on the gas pedal. Maybe not. I mean, they're, they're still professionals. But maybe mentally that's an area that we can talk about. Maybe. Well, normally I, I watch film and I go, okay, there's a problem there. They can fix that. You know, or, yeah, that was just a, a flute play or, you know, there's a one or two things I see that they need to tweak a little bit to make all right. The problem is, is the last three weeks, there is a lot of things wrong on film, not just a couple, a lot. There's a lot of changes that have to be made. And that's why I'm worried. You know, do I want this team to succeed? Hell yes. Do I want them to make it all the way to the Super Bowl and win it? That would be a dream of mine. But right now they're in trouble and they need to make some changes and I'm, you know, the changes have to come from the top down. I know the players have to change too and, you know, all that, but it really has to come from the top down. And I'm really hoping that those changes get made. And uh, just to begin to close this thing out, guys, we do want to stress we love this team. We support this team. And, uh, you know, we, we, we try to walk the line, I guess, to being fans and journalists here. But uh, we, we are back to this team. We know – that it's been a long time coming in terms of 2003, 2017, how bad they were. So don't think that we're like, hey, we're just trashing the team. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm seeing a lot of people who are just crapping all over this team that loved them five weeks ago. Folks, you know, you love them, you hate them. You, I, I just, it blows my mind to see folks trash a team they've been cheering for all year because they go through a rough stretch, as if they would never go through a rough stretch. Oh, nothing pisses me off more than to go on Facebook and see some idiot talking about you need to cut Jared Goff or, you know, you need to do – I mean, let's be realistic, folks. I'm usually the positive one here. I'm usually the one that's always on the upside, and Derek's usually the one that's a little more pessimistic. My problem is, is you know, the fact that they're 11-3, and I'm thrilled with. The problem I'm having right now is that this team has a lot of potential. They put this team together to make it a long ways in the playoffs, if not to win it all. 
And the part of the season that they're supposed to be doing well in, they're struggling really bad in. And the film's telling me there's a lot of problems. And I'm just concerned. I certainly am not hating on this team. There's just a lot of changes that need to be made. And hopefully there's some positive that can come out of this quickly and we can turn it around. I wasn't even really insinuating you. I understand your frustration. I'm, I'm talking about the dudes who are on Twitter and, and Facebook who, you know, they blame Goff for everything. Goff, it's amazing. Goff never gets credit for how good that offense is when it's running well. They always say, well, it's Todd Gurley or it's uh, Cooper Cup or it's Robert Woods or it's, it's Brandon Cooks. And then when the offense goes crappy, they, they, blame, they blame Goff. It's like, well, no, that's not really how it works. It's not how it works at all. Give the man his due when he's playing well. And, and also understand that he, he he's supported by that offensive line. Goff doesn't have the season he had up until a couple weeks ago without that offensive line. And he doesn't have the season he's had since then without that offensive line. So you got to right. be... The offensive line struggles, Jared Goff struggles. The offensive line does well, Jared Goff does well. It's a, it's a team sport. It's not just one person out there. And I just, I'm sick and tired of seeing... All these idiots out there, and I'm not referring to everyone, just a chosen few. A who small, small Go percentage. on and, and, and really bash. I mean, not, not just complain a little bit or talk about fundamentals, your scheme, or you know, what a player's doing wrong. They're, they're hating on them. You know, get rid of them. You know, throw them under a bus. We're, we're done with them. Time to move on. I've even seen a few people talk about how bad we suck. And it's like... <laughs> Look, we're still one of the best teams in the NFL. We just have some issues going on we need to fix right now. So, yeah, just please understand, I still love this team, and I'm just talking about I'm concerned because there are some issues that we definitely need to fix. And I'm going to go on the record right now, and I'll eat crow if I'm wrong. They're going to fix a lot of them this weekend. They're going to blow the Cardinals out. I'm calling it right now. So, um, it's time for well, us Well, this go. is the first time I hope you're right. <laughs> well, my – I've been bad karma for a long time. Let's hope I'm good karma this time. Hey, folks, if you want to sponsor us, reach out to us at RamsTalk1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Hey, if you want to leave us some fee- some feedback about our show and things you want us to talk about, email us as well. Folks, we stay alive and active. We keep the lights on here because of you, both through sponsors and also through listeners. So if you... If you uh, just keep keep sharing us out, keep keep letting people know about Rams Talk and our sister podcast that includes Butting Heads and Rampage Radio, great shows. Please share us out. You know, help us stay magical. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Did I just say stay magical? You did. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Also, we have a group. A uh, I, I group. could give you a list if you want. <laughs> a Facebook group, Rams Talk Room. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and Norm Hightower at Norm Hightower. Don't forget to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much everywhere. Spotify, we're there. iHeartRadio, we really, really are thankful for any review you pass our way. That's especially five-star. We're working towards that. We're trying to earn that five-star from you. Folks, it's coming. The Rams, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a blow-up this weekend. I believe that wholeheartedly. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. Arrivederci. Sayonara. Adios.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.